Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. We've hit Wednesday on Afternoons with Staffy. Good show today. Of course, the Super Rugby squads were named today. We picked through those right through the show. And then guest-wise, had some buttes. Modi Moore, Breakers head coach with the team's massive start to the season. They are four wins and only two losses. New roster, new coach. How's it all panning out? We talked to Modi. Caught up with Howie. Uh, He's known as Howie, but his name's Mark Howard. He's a Fox cricket commentator. Uh, early stages of the T20 World Cup. We looked at the Black Caps' amazing win against Australia and how much he enjoys commentating with Ian Smith. Uh, World Champs softball is coming to New Zealand very, very soon. Next month, in fact. So head coach Mark Sorensen joins the show. He picked his squad for the World Champs and uh, great to catch up with him. Um, we also had our bracket in our GWE, top of TV, TV character Jamboree. Uh, four more face-offs today as we go and we start the Sweet 16. Uh, We found out what's making news and we played the chase. Good old day today. It's a Wednesday. Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Good afternoon all, uh, it's Super Rugby Squad Naming Day today. Welcome aboard, welcome aboard. I've just been handed the, just been handed the Crusaders team, which has just been named. I'll run through those shortly, because that's going to be what Midday Madness is about, what you're making of uh, the Super Rugby Squads. We've got four of them. The other one, uh, the Highlanders, which for me holds the most interest actually because there's a lot of Highlanders gone elsewhere, so I'm interested to see where they are going to recruit from. Um, but yeah, we'll get to those very shortly. Uh, the rest of the show uh, is filled up like this. Uh, Modi Moore, the new head coach with the Breakers. Um, pretty good start to their season this year. I think they're f- four wins, two losses. Came back from a horrific first half in their last game to nail on a win so uh, the new head coach we'll talk about his imports and 
as players and the fact that they can be home a little bit longer than what they have for the last two years and just get a get a report card from the head coach. We are going across the ditch, Fox Cricket commentator. He's a great man, Mark Howard, known as Howie. You would have seen a lot of him. He covers the Big Bash. Uh, he's quite often the voice of reason. Uh, not one of those broadcasters, sorry, athletes turned broadcasters that are full of the commentary boxes now. Uh, but he's a, he's a true broadcaster in his own right. Um, and he is calling a lot of the World Cup cricket, Big Bash, etc., etc. Called Game of Smithy, actually. And he's got a wonderful podcast called The Howie Games. And if, you've ne- if you're into podcasts, and you know I am, I started listening to his quite a long time ago. And, um, oh, it's great. Great. Big, big names as well that he talks to. So if you want a podcast, Howie. Uh, Mark Sorensen, of course, legend in the world of softball. He's the Black Sox head coach. Uh, they, na- uh, they named their World Cup team yesterday. Of course, he will be returning as coach, and it's being played in Auckland, Rosedale Park, 26th of November from memory to the 3rd of December. Fantastic tournament there. Um, along with that, we will have, uh, of course, the GWE, Top of TV character Jamboree. Uh, we have four matchups today and at the conclusion of that are we in the 16 yet oh this is the opener of the sweet 16 actually so we've got 16 tv characters left we'll bring you the first uh, couple of matches to vote on at about 12 30 just after the 12 30 news um we'll also find out what's making news as well and we've got the winner of the addington survivor series if any of you out there have been entering that, we have the winner on here who's won a pretty damn good prize. So I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, but uh, we will have them on about the one thirty mark as well. Um, and we've got the chase as well today, the chase being a Wednesday. But let's have a crack at these super rugby teams. It is midday madness. I would like to hear how you think your team has fared. Now, obviously... The Highlanders one hasn't been named. It won't be done till two, so we'll get that during the two o'clock news, I would imagine. Just been handed the Crusaders team. New names into the Crusaders are George Bell, obviously the Canterbury hooker. Uh, Christian Leo Willey, he's come out of Otago. Willie Hines makes a return to Super Rugby. Uh, Noah Hotham out of Tasman. Uh, Pepisana Patafilo, who was uh, wonderful, I thought, in the NPC for Wellington. He's going down to the Crusaders. Maka Springer, um, a breakout season for him, for Tasman. He joins the Crusaders. Malani Nanai comes back to New Zealand via Worcester Warriors. Uh, had a number of caps for the Blues, so he joins the Crusaders as well. So, yeah, changing times. I saw a note, actually, a comment from Jason Holland, and he said with the World Cup next year, because a lot of these teams haven't got huge changes, but um, they're all hanging around, and then come end of World Cup, there could well be an exodus. So I think this time next year, um, it'll have a very different look to it. So 0800 150 811, a shortened day So if you want to have your say on what you make of the teams, the four teams that have been named so far, Give us a bell. Talk us through it. How are you feeling about it? Midday Madness, 0800-150-811. Get calling. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah. Righto. So... 
Just running through the ones we've got at the moment uh, from your Super Rugby squads for the Blues. In. So the additions to the Blues for next season. Uh, Rob Rush from Northland. I'd say there would have been a few after his signature. Fantastic season for Northland. Um, Caleb Tangitau. He's uh, most recently out of the New Zealand Sevens setup, uh, so a lot of pace in there. Uh, Patrick Tuapaloto returns, having played uh, in Japan for the last Super Rugby, and Josh Fusitua. He joins the Blues and out. Uh, Luke Romano, Josh Godhue, Kautu Nukuwafe, and Tamati Tua. That's the Blues. I've just sort of made some quick notes to the Chiefs. Uh, additions to the Chiefs, Damian McKenzie returns, uh, Punivai, who's had stints with uh, the Crusaders and the Highlanders, Manaki Selby Rickett, uh, big get from the Highlanders, he goes up to the Chiefs, uh, Peniasi Malimali, out of counties, a very exciting wing, he joins them, and a couple of props, Jared Prophet and George Dyer, they join the Chiefs, and out of the Chiefs next year, uh, two props, both injured, uh, Ruben O'Neill and Sioni Mafaleo, and Quinta Pyle, obviously, unfortunately out. The big ins for the Canes, Peter Luckey, Brett Cameron, Riley Higgins, Kenny Naholo, and, oh, Sinkinson. He he was fantastic for Waikato as well. So five new Canes, and quite a few have left. Jackson Garden Bishop hasn't got a contract out of the Canes. I'm wondering if he will pop up in the Highlanders squad, um, which will be coming out in a couple of hours. Uh, Wes Hurson, we knew that because he's over in Edinburgh. But then uh, some interesting names that haven't made the cut. James O'Reilly, Blake Gibson, Scott Scrafton, Alex Fido, Tehorangi Walden, and Patafilo, who we just mentioned, has gone to the Crusaders. Um, so that's sort of the main the main moves. What do you make of it? Who's got strong? Who's got stronger? Who's cocked up the drafts? <laughs> Who's weaker? Are you happy with it? 0800 Um Kia ora to Ngāti Perot's finest, Ed. G'day, Ed. Staffy, I missed you, Staff. Oh, I missed you too, mate. But And the birds in the background. And, um, yeah, those are my birds. Um, bro, um, I've got to have a shout-out to Graham. Bro, I've been drinking and I've had a few drinks with Graham because he's been supporting uh, Nuts Pro East Coast to the Lacour Cup final. I think it was, that's, that's how come they won. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> Good on you, Graham. Big thanks from Ed and everyone in East Coast. And, and um, the Black Caps. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I'm sorry, Steffi. What was the subject we're supposed to talk about? The Super Rugby teams, mate. Oh, the Super Rugby teams. Oh, Sorry, mate. Oh, I was just on my own thinking uh, tangent there. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but I wanted to catch up with you and just uh, talk about the Lacour Cup final. <laughs> You're more than welcome because that celebration will still be going up there or down there or oh, across there. I'm still, I'm still celebrating now, Stevie. Do you mind if I'm drinking while I'm talking to you? <laughs> mate, we all need to hydrate. Yes, it's a hot day. And I've finished my um, eight hours of hard money. That's and it. Came home and mowed my lawns in this hot sun, and I need to rehydrate. You do, man. And like, 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 because you work the nights, it's like six o'clock in the evening for you at the moment. Oh yeah, man. When you get up early in the morning, boy, everyone else is um, everyone's asleep, bro. Yeah. So yeah, when you come home, oh man, I've done a full day's work, and you're just getting up. Yeah. And I'm drinking this beer called Kronbacher Weizen. Yeah. Yeah. German stuff. 
beautiful. Good on you, mate. But yeah, uh, <coughs> thank you, Steffi, and, and um, <coughs> thank you for watching the boys play. And you know, there's a champion player in their team called um, um, and I always forget his name, Sam. Sam Parks. You know it. I Sam know. Parks. He went. To, he went to school with Israel Day. Yeah, well, you know what? I was watching them play their final, and because of all of your calls and talking about Sam Parks, I watched him, and he is a fine halfback. Bro, and he can fight, bro. He's a boxer, bro. Bro, he does the fight for life stuff. Oh, does he? He went into Gisborne, and yeah, man, and Gisborne, Gisborne's got their fight for life. they got one coming up now, but oh, oh, Sammy Parks, and uh, guess what? His dad can fight too, because I've seen his dad come out of the pub one night and have a rumble. I was like, oh, my God, who, who's he fighting? Oh, that's my mate. Oh, no, nah, bro, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> bro, it was like a, bro, it was like a hundred people came out of that pub. That's only a small pub, Tolga Bay, but, um, it, you know, people just congregate there. Yeah. Wow, I was like, Murray Parks, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh, well, that Sam's dead. But, yeah, they're fighters, and Murray Parks is an East Coast player from way back. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Well, you carry on celebrating the win, mate, because it was absolutely fantastic. Cheers, buddy. Ed Tolliger Bay, just enjoying it. What are we? Wednesday. So it's it it Sunday to Monday, Tuesday. We're three days in, still celebrating. And why not? What a game it was. Uh, we go over to Aussie and in Melbourne, talk to Darren. G'day, bud. Hey, Stephanie. How are you? Good. Thanks, Darren. Um, I did speak to you yesterday. I forgot to mention this. Are we, are we going to start calling you the Oracle? The Oracle, why? Well, Wellington by eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a suffer more to score a try. <laughs> well, I picked him and I, I thought I won't go eight, my favourite number, I'll go ten because I don't want to copy it. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I sort of couldn't believe it when it finished bang on eight. I thought, oh, well, there we go. Got one. Yeah, well, it was on ten for a while, so I was feeling pretty good, especially... Yeah. With our suffer, but um, yeah, sorry uh, to digress, but um, yeah, the Hurricanes. I'm I'm really happy with these uh, these ins. That Peter Luckey, he was a brute um, all season. So really good to see him in the squad. Yeah, fantastic. He's only 19. It's I know. He's what a future he's got. Oh, he's got a hell of a future. I mean, he's always making the the game line, isn't he? He's always getting through tackles and. He's keen to get into his work, so good work ethic. And the good thing is I read uh, from the press conference, I didn't listen to the press conference, but Jason Holland said the first time he met him that the number one thing that stood out is he's very coachable and keen to learn and keen to develop and uh, doesn't have many weaknesses, so they're just going to, I don't know, maybe knock any rough edges he might have on him, but um, he's he's exciting. Gosh, he's exciting because he's going to get bigger too. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully he... Uh, He's got a good mentor in Adi Savir there. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Jeez, absolutely, but, yes. Um, I'm just looking at the Wellington back line. It's looking pretty pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, it normally does. But with, yeah, uh, with uh, Riley Higgins and uh, Brett Cameron coming in. Yeah, I like the the nice measured approach that Brett Cameron's got. He's got a good kicking game. Like he can kick long. He's a good. He's good off the tee as well for those vital two and three pointers. Riley Higgins, I think, has got a, a massive future, and then still got some experience around. And then Ruben Love and Aidan Morgan. Um, no Jackson Garden Bishop. Um, I think he's sort of a tried experience. Doesn't quite fit in to the uh, yeah. to the mold of what the Hurricanes are going to try and do. But I'm I'm not. 
I have absolutely no inkling, but I will not be surprised if he appears in the Highlanders team when that's named in about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I just, I always feel like I think Jackson Garden Bishop's done very well. I just feel like he's he's never fit. If mm. that makes sense, he just, I just feel if he if he just dropped probably five kgs, he'd be he'd be a better rugby player. I mean, yeah, being that it's his job and everything, but um. Yeah, I think Aidan Morgan last year really made some good strides mm. and sort of took hold of that number 10 jersey. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who their starting 10 is. I'd imagine it'll be Brett Cameron um, and then Aidan Morgan will get opportunities. Ruben Love sort of flirted with being a first five as well, but it looks like him and Josh Morby are going to be the fullbacks. So it's exciting. And uh, Hurricanes teams, when they've got exciting youth, uh, are really good. Yeah, I, I really hope they uh, hit the ground running. I mean... We've always sort of had great back lines, but we've always sort of lacked it up front. But, you know, we've, uh, we've got some good good front rowers in there, especially Dominic Bird. I thought if he, him and Blackwell take that form into Super Rugby, they're going to be fantastic to watch. Yeah, the, the great thing for the Hurricanes for Super Rugby is is the season that the Wellington Lions have just had. It's um, And if they just some systems and, and some belief. And we talked to Julian Savio on the show yesterday, and he said it's the consistency side of things um, and you know there's a lot of Wellingtonians in that forward pack and add in the likes of uh, Dane Coles who hasn't played much this year um, still got Dominic Bird uh, Isaiah Walker-Leary who's had a, a good season as well um, and my man or two boys Braden Yossi and TK Howden the one I, I really hope is fit and healthy because we just haven't seen him is Tyler Loebscher. Um Talking to people that have trained with him and played with him and, and coached him, just say, this guy's next level good, but he's getting bad injury. So if he hits the ground running, a special season from Tyler Loebscher, I hope. Yeah. Well, I, the other thing is, can you imagine how, how much better Tyrell Lomax is going to be after what's happened this year? Oh, I know. I know. You know, couldn't make the team, and now he's starting, and you wouldn't have it any other way. No. That's <laughs> it. That's it. So, awesome, mate. Excited. Thanks much, Steffi. Cheers, buddy. Have a joyous day over there in Australia. Any thoughts on the Super Rugby squads? Um, there's just too many to read them all out, actually. Just, you know, I think there's 36 in each team, and I've got four teams, so don't really want to read out 150 names. Um, but I've, I've read you out the main, the main additions, um, the main deletions. So in the Hurricanes forwards, there's only one new cap, and that's Peter Luckey. Um, five in the back lines, Brett Cameron, Riley Higgins, Kenny Naholo, and Dan Sinkinson. He was fantastic for Waikato. Interestingly enough, Waikato, he was on a um, pay-to-play contract with Waikato NPC. Um, what would you call that? Like a wider squad type member. So he didn't he didn't have a contract, but if he played, they had to pay him whatever his a match fee was. And I thought he was fantastic. And obviously the Hurricanes management thought so too, and they've offered him a full-time Super Rugby contract, which is fantastic. It is an ex- exciting backline. Um, I've run you through the Hurricanes backline, actually. So halfbacks, no change. Perinara, Cam Royguard, Jamie Booth. Uh, first fives are Aidan Morgan and Brett Cameron. Uh, then we've got, interestingly, Geordie Barrett's been named as a midfielder. There you go. Geordie Barrett, Peter Umanga Jensen, Riley Higgins, Billy Proctor, Balin Sullivan. Don't want for class there. Uh, and then the wings, uh, Ray Arce, Julian Savia, Kenny Naholo, Dan Sinkinson. And then fullbacks, Ruben Love, Josh Morby. Fantastic.
That's a good backline, exciting backline. Um, 0800 is the number. We'll take one more call and we're going to Auckland. I wonder what he makes of the Blues, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon, Staffy. Um, so, is uh, Rob Rush, he's a loose forward, right? Correct. So that's another loose forward for the Blues. That's a lot of loose forwards. You've also got, already got a Kiriwani, he's a 2-2, Papali'i, you've got a lot of them. Adrian Cho, I think, still there. He's still Anton there. Signa, I, just, yep. I just don't know how much game time he's going to get, but not a bad signing. And um, it sucks a bit about Blake Gibson, because I think he's a brilliant player that the Hurricanes haven't signed, and hopefully the Highlanders have, because... It'd be pretty crazy if he doesn't have a Super Rugby contract because I reckon he's always been a good player um, and always, always pretty good rugby player. And where does the um, guy from the Sevens play, Caleb Tangata? Where, where do you think he plays? Is he a midfielder or something? Called? Yeah, uh, centre wing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because maybe that's why they got rid of the Thomas Tour to replace him. Yeah. I I'd thought s- he wasn't a bad player either because he played pretty good for Northland in the NPC this year, but I guess he won't probably have a Super contract then. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I mean, that's yeah. that's why we we need to see this Highlanders team because all of these defections from the other teams, like yeah. like Gibson, like Scrafton, Alex Fido, Tay Walden. Um, I mean, these guys might have gone offshore, and I'm I haven't caught up with it. I'm sure Ken will text me and tell me. If, um, I'm going to have Tui Palutui back for next year as well. So it's great to have him back. Um, he'll probably be playing this weekend as now about Scott Barrett and Whitelock as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah, great great to have him back. You know, he kind of just replaces Luke Romano and he's just you know another great experienced player for the Blues and will slot right back in the team and um yeah it's not a bad team I think we can we can try and challenge the title again for next year yeah. kept, pretty much kept everyone from last season so I don't know why we can't challenge again next year oh you'll definitely challenge again definitely challenge strong again. season mm. so yeah good, good man team, I reckon good Thank man you. Cheers, Zaid. Yeah. 0800-150-811. Your comments on the Super Rugby squads. If you got any, give us a yell. We'll be back. I heard this morning that there was some speculation that Tavita Lee would pop up in the Crusaders' side, but he's not there. Uh, one I missed out, actually, was Taha Kimara, a 19-year-old Waikato boy. Uh, the Chiefs were after him passionately, but uh, the Crusaders have picked him up. Um, of course, they've got Richie Moonga. Fergus Fergus Burke as well. Um, but Richie's heading off to Japan for a couple of years, isn't he, after uh, the World Cup? So I guess he sees his opportunity down there and God knows that the Crusaders in the Canterbury region can turn out at number 10, can't they? So Taha Kimara, uh, hot property. So Tavita Lee, is he going to be named in the Highlanders? There's a whole lot of leftovers uh, that the Highlanders could pick up. Um, and no disrespect to Tavita Lee calling him a leftover. Actually, he was one of the best wings in in the MPC. So I'd love to see him back in New Zealand rugby. I think his stint away has done him good. Um, he's very strong. He's very powerful. He's fast. Got a kicking game. Got a catching game. Got a defensive game. He'd be a good get for any team. But the last one that we don't know about yet um, is the Highlanders. So maybe, in fact, has he? Has he played Islanders before? I know he's played Blues. Maybe he has. Don't know off the top of my head. But um, anyway, we're going to have a break for the news very shortly. But lock yourself in because the first of the Sweet 16 in the Wee Top of TV character Jamboree is up after the news. And the number one and two seeds that made it through the first round, unharmed, untested, they go up again in the Sweet 16 against 
more opposition. And at about half past one, we'll have the number three and four seeds. And one of them is a grandstander. One of them is a grandstander. So stick around. Get your updates on the new sport and weather now. And we will be back with the Wee Top of TV character jamboree. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland, this is the Wee Top of TV character Jamboree. Here it is, the start of the Sweet 16. Oof, business time. Business, business time. It's business. <laughs> it's business time. Oh, you know when I'm down to just my socks. It's time for business. That's why I call them business sucks. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, we got rid of the dead weight staff with a round of 32, didn't we? We weeded out a couple of what I, you would say weaklings. In the 16 team matchups, I think only two of them were close. It was pretty, oh, yeah. pretty yeah. pronounced. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. So this 16, here we go. Gee we uh, is the correct response, Steph. And uh, let's start off in the Eastern Conference. East. And we have our number one seed once again returning to the court. Tony Soprano put up some big numbers round one. Uh, and look, we know this uh, this team can score Don't and me. score big. Um, and if they don't, uh, if the opposition doesn't comply, they may get murdered. Uh, Tony Soprano, number one seed, up against Fonzie, the 15th seed. A lot of fans round one. The Fonz. Mm. Yeah. Henry Winkler. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of Italiano going on there, isn't there, <laughs> in round one, in the, sorry, round two of uh, the Eastern Conference. Uh, in the West, we go to uh, Bean, Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. What a second character. Seed. What a character. Going up against uh, an eclectic character in the 32 this year, Homer Simpson, Never ranked watched 14th. Him. Never watched him. Never watched The Simpsons, but he is a favourite for a lot of people. Will he take down Mr. B? That's the question we're all asking ourselves down here. Could side mark. Uh, interesting. Three comedies. Three comedy characters here against a very serious Tony Soprano. What, so what you're saying is three game styles that are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, they play a rush, don't they? A rush style. It's full on. It's quick. Um, actually, how long were Fonzie episodes? How long were they? Yeah. Like how many years? No, no, no. How long was a typical episode? 20 minutes? Yeah, 20, 22 minutes. Yeah, so you, we, 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 we really are talking young gun offense here because Fonzie must have been Homer Simpson. Those are all 20-minute um, sort of teams, whereas Soprano, you're talking hour long, yeah, right? So, uh, Feature length. Yeah, it's like a 100-meter sprint taking on an Ironman. Correct. Yeah, in the truest sense of the word. So, All right, so you text through Soprano or Fonzie. Jeez. And interesting, Jimmy Smith loved Fonzie yesterday. He did, actually, didn't he? Yeah. So Soprano or Fonzie, and then Bean or Homer. What a matchup, actually. Yeah, it's and good matchups. I could, I could see any of those four. I know we've got the number one and two seeds. I'm going to predict the ball over. I think one of the top two seeds goes. I don't know which one, but mm. I think one of those top two seeds is fallible. I think those two are pretty safe. I no, think there's, I some, there's some bigger upsets to come, Steph. Um, as, as is always the case with the uh, Gwee Top TV character jamboree. We well know after the years and years of history of this competition. We do. All right, get those texts through. Double eight, double three. That is the Temper Bear Post Text Machine. What are you listening to? You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy, and that is brought to you by Gull. Fueling your mission all year round, the mighty people at Gull. Thank you for joining us. Get your votes in. Double eight, double three. Soprano or Fonzie? Bean or Simpson? You know how it works. Get voting.
We're going to have a break because right after this, we're going to have a chat with Modi Moore. He is the Breakers head coach. The new Breakers head coach, having been the assistant in the past, good start for the season. We'll catch up with him after the break. Well, the New Zealand Breakers finally have a season that they can have some time here in New Zealand and not just become uh, denaturalised Australians by playing continually over there. It's a welcome change, I'm sure, to the team, to the players, and particularly their head coach, Modi Moore. And Modi joins us now. Modi, uh, it must be a nice change after the two years of hecticness. On paper, yes. On paper, I agree with you, although the last couple of weeks are as, are as hectic and have very little New Zealand time. So looking forward to the next stretch after this. Yeah, it's really, it's, it seems like it's really compressed at the start. You, every second day, it feels like you're playing Modi. Is it taking its toll physically on your players, albeit early oh, in the season? 100%. It's a, it's a very tough stretch. We don't like making excuses over here, and it's kind of not how we operate. So, you know, these are the, this is the hand we've been dealt, and this is the one we have to play. But it's been 12 days since our last practice. And in that stretch of time, we've had four games. So yeah, it, it takes a toll on on you physically. It also takes a toll on. And we're a relatively young team and a very new team, and we need this time to practice and improve. I was starting to get a little bit concerned in the game against the Taipans. Uh, just the, I think it was uh, one for seventeen, one from seventeen in the first quarter. Just the five points scored, and I was just yeah, like, man, yeah, yeah, it's taken its toll. But geez. There was some resolve found within that squad. Um, you wouldn't have been feeling it at the end of the first quarter, but at the end of the full time, you must have sat back and gone, wow, that that's digging deep. Yeah, honestly, I felt it in the first quarter too because our, we were missing wide-open layups and open threes, and we were looking very sluggish and tired on offense. But the, the score was never too bad. The, the most we were down was 10-11, and you know, if you score five points in a the quarter, then... You can also be down 25. So at least we were, I kind of felt that we were at least competing on the defensive end and kind of keeping it a ball game and happy we caught a second wind on offense in the second half. What was the players' reaction at halftime when you left the court and you, and you all got together? Um, I mean, you missed the first 14 shots. Uh, you're cold from three-point range as well. And you get to halftime, it's like... Was it soul searching? Was it a was it a a, a rack up? Um, it would be a, a halftime chat that you probably never thought you were going to have to have. Yeah, <laughs> it was an interesting halftime one. For me, the biggest issue was not the missed shots. Um, there was a level of kind of hesitation or timidness in how we were playing. Like the the fact that we were missing shots made us kind of overthink what shots we needed to take and how to play, and that's what I needed to clean up. If we're going to miss them, we're going to miss them. There's not much that we can do. Sometimes basketball comes down to making or missing shots. Um, but we can't play hesitant. We can't play timid. We can't play scared. And that's what I wanted to shake off uh, and get kind of out of their heads. And it doesn't matter if the shot goes in or not. They know what a good shot is and what a good shot isn't. And as long as it's good, they got to keep letting it fly. And, and they did. And I'm happy the third quarter started with, I think we made three threes in a row and kind of caught momentum and, and went from there. With basketball being such a, a high-scoring game, um, when when we chat basketball, it's always offense. But I'm liking the concentration on defense that I'm seeing from the breakers as well. Is is that a focal point for you as head coach? Oh, 100%. Um, we came into the season being uh, – we came into the offseason with, with the idea of being a defensive first team. I think that's kind of what the great breaker teams were, I think. 
there's something inherently tough and gritty about a New Zealand a Kiwi athlete. Um, and we always wanted to be a defensive first team. This was our goal. This is where we, this is what we feel our foundation is. And that's what's going to keep us in, in matches going forward. Where do you get your passion from, Modi? Because watching the games, you are so invested. And I absolutely love that. You remonstrate up and down the, the court, the, the, the sidelines there. You're still respectful. But where has that passion come from? I just love the game. Um, I love kind of what we do. I love the group of people that we have. And I feel a great sense of responsibility towards having the breakers play a certain way and represent New Zealand in a certain way. And I guess that's what you see, but I don't know. You really invested in New Zealand and being a New Zealander as well, which I read about. And, and I also read that uh, one of your goals was to meet Buck Shelford, who was an iconic New Zealand all-black captain. And you just wanted to, I guess, assimilate some of his greatness into your team and the way you're working. So have you managed to meet the great man yet? I have not. I have not. It's still a goal for me. Uh, it's still a goal for us as a group. It's a lofty one, and uh, us not being in New Zealand makes it a little bit harder. Uh, but hey, Sir Chelford, if you're listening now, then know that we're interested and I'm interested. And I think there's great value in the historical culture around what an athlete, a Kiwi athlete is, and what toughness is, and what leadership looks like. And for a team that hasn't been around New Zealand for two years, I have... We have coaches on our staff, for example, that were with the Breakers for a year and a half and never stepped foot in New Zealand. So for us to get reconnected to kind of what what that means is, I think, a big part of our growth as an organization. And one of the absolute all-time great Breakers and Tom Abercrombie, without him, um, my understanding is he can't fly because of his injury. Um, what, what's an update on Tom? How far away do you think he'd be? Yeah, it's hard to say because this is not an not a sports injury. You know, this is not something I have any experience with. Basically, there's a, there's a gas bubble inserted in Tommy's eye, and as long as that bubble is still there, he can't really see, or he can see, but his vision is blurry. So as long as your vision is blurry, it's kind of hard to play. <laughs> um, it, this gas bubble shrinks kind of every day, a little bit, or whatever the period of time is, and. One day he's going to wake up and it's not going to be there. Um, and when that happens, then he can play home games. Um, and to tell you when this will happen, I don't know. Nobody really does. There's no kind of set schedule on this. Um, fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're hoping too. Um, report card on your imports. I've got to say, I'm loving Barry Brown Jr. and what he brings. Um, because I guess a challenge for you as a head coach, is to bring these offshore players into an established or, or, or a very Kiwi-type thing, which will be very different to things that they've played in. How have they embraced uh, the New Zealand culture, the New Zealand way? Yeah, guys have been incredible from that standpoint. Um, I think what's carrying us in this tough stretch is that we are a team. There's a connectedness between the group and the unit. Um, it has to do and to say a lot about the quality of the humans that we have in the building. Uh, regardless of passport or history or where they came from, they've kind of put the work in to put the walls down and come together and get to know each other. And you know, this part, of, I feel we've, we've nailed. Like, these guys are great, and they've been coming together as a group, and yeah, very excited about that part. 
Because it's it's no secret that if you open the the cash vault in a Melbourne team and the Sydney team, it's it's quite full. But the Breakers team isn't. But that can provide a strength to Modi, knowing it's backs up against the wall. I don't like to use the word minnows, but it's just like you're the absolute battlers and uh, a great historical. We've got flags in the stadium, title holders, and I'm I'm just wondering. You know the players know that as well that they don't. The breakers don't have the resource of the other big teams. And if I was in the breakers and playing and coming up against these rock stars with the big pay packets, I'd be labelling the game urgent myself. Yeah, you don't come on the floor with your wallet. You know, it doesn't matter how much you get paid or how much is in the vault. At the end of the day, we're playing five on five. Um, the way we went about recruiting is intelligent. I think we did it intelligently knowing that uh, we need to kind of find diamonds in the rough. We need to find people who have more potential than they've showed, whether it's in local players like Isaiah Leafa or imports like Barry Brown or Jarrell Brantley. Um, I think we've done well in this regard, and I'm sure all of our guys are just going to get better and better. Are you asking if we play with a chip on our shoulder? Yeah, we do. Uh, But it's not because of the budget or the salary. It's because we think we can be special as a group on uh, something we want to prove. The personality of a basketballer is sort of quite chilled out. You know, we see the high fives and the back slaps and, and it's almost like when these imports come in, they became, they become immediate friends with the local players as well. Do the locals embrace the imports, want to learn off them, want to, want to vibe off them? How's the relationship between the imports and the locals? It's something we try and blur as, soon as we get in um we celebrate each other's differences but uh, being from wellington is different than being from auckland which is different than being from nelson or having a tongan heritage versus having an indigenous heritage versus coming from israel or the united states so we treat kind of every person in our group as an individual they don't necessarily represent their country or their passport they represent their own kind of story and we, we respect that. We take time to get to know each other's stories. And, and I think that's kind of the bridge which these relationships are kind of forged on. But, um, yeah, the, the last thing I want is some kind of line between imports and locals. and so We want to blur that as much as possible. It's just people. Great. Fantastic. Well, Modi, um, I'm liking what I'm seeing out on the floor. Um, got more wins than losses this year, which is just fantastic. It's a good building block, isn't it? And um, the next few weeks really important for you guys. Yeah, yeah. We got another good challenge. We go out to Adelaide, and then we have a super-duper quick turnaround, really landing and playing versus the Jag Jumpers. Um, it'll be a tough back-to-back, and yeah, looking forward to knock these two out and then keep going from there. Looking forward to seeing you back home too. Uh, fill up some stadiums in Auckland, get those crowds back. It's a, it's a magnificent atmosphere. The Kiwi, Kiwis love the breakers and uh, you've started well. So we wish you well for the rest of the season, Modi, and, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, just some text messages that have come in on the Tampa Bed Post text machine in the last hour. Uh, most recent one just uh, liked hearing from the Breakers head coach and liked the way he was uh, thinking about the game and approaching the game, Modi Moore. Yeah, oh, first time I've ever spoken to him. He is 
he is good to watch on the sideline. I, I don't mind a remonstrating basketball coach. They, they all have their own way, don't they? Like NBA have had some. Is it Chuck Daly? What used to be fantastic on the sideline. Um, there's been some, you know, Pat Riley even had his moments. Phil Jackson. Um, I know that's rarefied air when I'm talking about Modi, but um, he's fantastic. You can see how much he cares, and that's a big plus, a very big plus. Uh, what else have we got in here? One from Ken, obviously on the blue. Staffy Caleb uh, Tangito is a great young signing, and Tamati Tua is playing in Australia. Okay. And he thinks it's with the Rebels. He's Ken's very happy with the Blue squad. It's stronger than last year. And Rob Rush, well-deserved to bring it on. Yeah, Rob Rush, I'm looking forward to him. Um, but, geez, there's some depth. Like, when you look at starting 15s, I don't think much will change at all, really. Um, Staffy, any news on when Moana Pacifica will name their squad? I understand it'll be in a couple of weeks. And... Like their deadline is a bit later than the New Zealand ones. That could play into their hands with the financial crisis that is going on in rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. There might be some ex-Kiwi players that go, oh, we might come back. Um, maybe not, but we have seen uh, Milani Nanai come back from Worcester. Uh, but yet yeah, they'll be naming their team in a couple of weeks. That's as I understand it. Um, Al, this is from Mark. Those Super Rugby size names the Highlanders and their team. Uh, leaves the Highlanders picking from leftovers. I'm a Landers from day one, and it brasses me off that they get a start with the Highlanders, and then they bugger off and go somewhere else. Sorry, I can't call. I'm almost ready to throw in the towel on Super Rugby completely. Mark, not happy Highlanders fan. Anyway, coming up, one o'clock news. We'll come back after that. That's a tune, Sammy Hewitt. Going in the mood for the next hour. Very soon, we will be chatting to Mark Howard. Uh, he's Fox Cricket commentator, uh, big-time white ball cricket commentator. You would have seen him in the Big Bash, etc. And he's part of the T20 World Cup as well. That'll be coming up soon. But first of all, Sammy, um, we've just had a whole bunch of listeners rejoin us from the Rural Roundup with Andy Thompson. So uh, the voting has opened on the first uh, first of the Sweet 16 matchups. Uh, furnish us with the details, please, sir. Do I give the rejoining listeners some fanfare? Or I, do I just... I think you should. Ah. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland. This is the GWE Top of TV character, Jamboree. Oh, Welcome in. Never Welcome get sick in. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome into the Sweet 16, people. If you're just joining us, we have two big matchups taking place live as we speak, Steph. In fact, no, I was going to give you a halftime update, but I'm not going to. Don't do it. I'm just going to give you the full-time whistle. So in the Eastern Conference. 30 minutes left of voting. For, the, for these two, yes. yes. Tony Soprano, the number one seed, going up against Fonzie in the 15th position. Who will take the chocolates there? Is it going to be the tournament favourite? Or can we see an upset on the cards from the Fonz? 
And uh, if we go to the Western Conference, we've got Mr. Bean, the number two seed in the competition, going up against Homer Simpson, Dolt at 14th seed. Dolt! Yeah. So uh, make your selections, people. Be wise about it. And don't forget, if you don't vote, you can't complain. <laughs> Jump on Instagram as well if you want to throw in an extra vote there. Because as Kiz said to me yesterday, or actually, no, he said to me this morning, Steph, mm. there are a few Instagram ones where the Instagram votes were heavily outweighed the text votes. And because our audience on Instagram is what you might say is a younger audience, the votes heavily swayed in their favour. So if, if you're sitting in your car going, how on earth did Fonzie make it through? It's because you didn't vote. Send in those messages. <laughs> you can vote more than once, Steph, as we always say. You can if you want. And every vote goes in the draw to win one million. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're not quite there yet. One, Maybe one day. One million free phone calls to SENZ. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Great thanks. call. Thanks, mate. Someone, um, just quickly as well, I posted a photo, or Kez posted a photo on our Instagram yesterday, I think it was off my Shooter McGavin um, t-shirt, and in the background was the um, our broadcast operations phone number, and I got a reply saying, um, I wonder if that number's going to get a few calls today. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, if you if you text in a vote for the uh, Gwe Top of Jamboree, we'll give you the Bop's phone number, and you can call them whenever you like. <laughs> you know, if the ads play over top of each other, you can yeah. just ring them direct. Direct line. Yeah. Oh. Straight to them. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, it's Wednesday, uh, which means it is Chase Day, and it is also Bailey's Property of the Week Day. And when I went on and looked at today's Bailey's Property of the Week, the very first photo, you know how you see some ads and it says uh, coastal frontage property? This is absolute coastal frontage property. Avocado trees deluxe. And I would say uh, there's the avocado tree plantation and then there's a bit of a shelter belt and immediately on the other side of the shelter belt, sand. And then you've got about 10 metres ocean. This is a bit of me. I'm going to tell you a bit about it. Um, of course, there's the production there. It's it's on the straight stretch of Pacific Coast Highway um, and an amazing location, like climate, the vista, Fantastic. It is an oceanside property. It is flat contour, amazing coastal views over the Pacific Ocean. Um, you don't often get a piece of land this size and calibre that comes to market in the Bay of Plenty. Uh, the positioning is magnificent. Strategic location in uh, Pikowai, if you know where that is. Um, thanks to the Tauranga Eastern Link, travelling to Mount Maunganui and Tauranga is now easier than ever, and it is. That is a magnificent new stretch of road. Makes those things much more accessible. So the city lifestyle is just there. Just a driver and eight iron, or a bit further, unless you hit it a monster. Um, there's an income stream, of course, from well-established production orchard. Uh, 14 hectares uh, with mature. There's no nurturing. They're there. They're ready to go. Avocado trees, flatland, tar-sealed entrance and driveway, uh, and the potential for future development is obvious as soon as you go in there. Or you can put, put your dream home on there. There's room. Um, there's a premier elevated positioning that allows you to take in the view. White Island, Whale Island, it is all out there. It's only 10 minutes from the new uh, Rangiuru Business Park, placed in the middle of the economic powerhouse that is the mighty Bay of Plenty. Uh, so as I say, a successful avocado orchard, 14 hectares, premium horticultural land and positioned alongside one of New Zealand's most spectacular stretches of coastline. It's an opportunity we're taking advantage of. So who do you call? I tell you who you call. 
And we've mentioned this bloke before because he's got some quality properties. Steve Lowe out of Tauranga. He knows. He knows. That's why he sent it to us. This is an absolute gem. So it's the same coastline as Mount Monganui, Papamai. It's just a bit further along. Beautiful, beautiful ocean vistas. You want to get yourself involved in a little bit of that. That is Bailey's Property of the Week. Uh, Bailey's, B-A-Y-L-E-Y-S, .co.nz, then a forward slash 2502794. So the property number, 250-2794. That's not a price. That's the property identification. 1133 Pacific Coast Highway on Pickle White. Amazing. Amazing. That's what you want to have a look at. Right. Thank you, Baileys. Um, we are in the midst of the T20 World Cup, or well, early stages, really. New Zealand will be playing tonight at 9 o'clock against Afghanistan. Rashid, excuse me, excuse me, just get through his four overs. But anyway, one of the fine commentary team, and it's a wonderful commentary team all over the T20 World Cup. But Mark Howard, better known as Howie, he is, uh, I think he's in Perth at the moment. Um, we're going to catch up with him about the T20 World Cup, working with Smithy, Black Caps Chances, the up and down form of Australia, the whole gambit. So Mark Howard from Fox Cricket will join us after the break. We're going to one of the great names from cricket commentary, and more particularly, I want to just touch on it first. Uh, The Howie Games podcast uh, is just brilliant. Mark Howard is the host of that. Howie, um, I've listened to them all, and I've absolutely loved them, from surf life-saving to cricket. You've done the full gambit. Before we talk about the T20 World Cup, how much do you love the Howie Games just being a part of it and getting the stories out of the guys? Go, Mark. Great to speak to you. You might have overcooked one of the great commentators, but I've been working with some of the great commentators, which we can talk about. But mate, I love it. It's it's um it's my passion to sit there for two hours and chat with Kelly Slater or Luke Longley or Ian Smith, one of the great commentators, or whoever it may be. Ange Postecoglou, who's over at Celtic at the moment, is one of the great joys of my life. Just to be able to go a little bit deeper and explore like you and I now chat for five minutes on the radio and we get to know a little bit about each other but when you have an hour and a half with someone you get their full story the ups and downs so it's really really fun to do and I'm pumped that you listen to it and enjoy it mate. I really do and the stories about um, the players that you've heard of but you don't know about that the back stories of some of the West Indian cricketers that sort of thing is is fantastic and you've done one with Ian Smith our colleague over here in New Zealand Um, we're very proud of his uh, cricket commentary I and when we have a big tournament like this T20 World Cup and we get Smithy coming into our eardrums over here just representing a little bit of New Zealand but in his own right he is a wonderful commentator well I'm glad you asked me about him because I'll say unashamedly he is my favorite cricket commentator he he really is um and, and it's it's a great shame now with with the change in um broadcasters in New Zealand that you don't hear him regularly but um, indulge me for a moment. I, I sat next to him to call the first five overs at Australia's innings the other night when you guys absolutely trounced us. And, and I've worked with Smithy before, but I, I had, I've never worked on a World Cup. But I had a moment where I was sitting there and I was looking at Smithy and I thought, wow, it's the SCG. It's a full crowd and I'm sitting next to my favourite broadcaster. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that because he's entertaining, he's knowledgeable, he's passionate, he's funny, and he's able to laugh at himself. I, yeah, but Mark, I think he's the best. I really do. And I love his voice. And to consider him a friend and have a beer with him, it's um, it's an absolute treat because he's a superstar. He's just a superstar. Yeah, we love him here too. Uh, the T20 cricket, you've done a lot of big bash. You've done a lot of white ball cricket. 
and it's like the shorter the game, we go test down to 50, down to 20. It feels like it, it's so turbulent. And even early stages now, um, Australia have played two, couldn't get two more different performances. Do, do you enjoy the lottery nature of T20 cricket? I enjoy the power of it and I enjoy the change in a game throughout the night. So when you're at a test match, Mark, if the first innings is 450, typically you know the result. It can take three days to get to the result. Uh, but last night against Sri Lanka, that was a stunning game of cricket. You know, Sri Lanka struggled their way through to 150-odd and then Australia lost the early wicket and the run rate was down. And you thought, by gee, Australia, we bundled out of the tournament. Aaron Finch was struggling. And then Marcus Stoinis comes out and hits the fastest 50 by an Australian in T20 international cricket. He just cracks six everywhere. And in the end, you look at that scorecard and think, Australia did that easy. But they didn't. It doesn't tell the full tale. So it was a great night last night. Um, but one performance can determine a game, Mark. And against New Zealand the other night, uh, your media manager, Willie Nichols, his name is, uh, brother, brother Henry. I call him Slick Willie. He's a good man. He said, Howie, watch out for this. Young Finn Allen, he's a star. And I said, gee, must be good if he's keeping Guptill out of the side. And he batted for, what, six overs and determined the result of the game. So it's brilliant. I love T20 cricket. I love test cricket as well. But it does go on a knife edge. And then, you know, you got Coley the other night. We could talk about that for three days. I was going to talk about Coley. He's written down in big mm. capital letters on my bit of paper. What a, um, a timely return for him. And the passion in the man. It's never died, but the passion was was matched up with performance for him last night, something that's been missing for a wee while, and the Indian fans delirious. Well, it was an incredible night, Mark. I had the pleasure of calling the AFL Grand Final, the biggest sporting event in Victoria, and probably Australia alongside the NRL Grand Final a month ago. So, yeah, at the ground, and that's the centrepiece for um, Victorian sport, uh, and that's what Melbourne lives and breathes for. So that is the event of the year. That was nowhere near the level of that event we saw on Sunday. India, Pakistan, 95,000. The crowd was incredible. Way more atmosphere than a grand final. And as a Melbourne boy, I don't say that lightly. And then for Coley to come out and do what he did. And in the post-match, when he said, yep, with eight balls to go, I needed. I knew I needed to hit the last two balls of the over for six. And then to do it straight down the ground and square the wicket, I, I must have called 250 260, 300 big bash games, Mark, and that's the best game of cricket I've seen. That was, that's one of the great performances we've seen in Melbourne for a long, long time. And it was only, it was only a preliminary round. But yeah, the, the Indian and Pakistani fans were perfect. And I did note that there were suggestions because they obviously can't play each other on home soil for all sorts of strange political reasons beyond you and me. But why don't they stage a test in Melbourne? Um, I think it's a great idea because there's such strong international Pakistani Indian community say, so, yeah, I'd, you may, you may, you would have watched it. It, it was spine tingling, wasn't it? Oh, it really was. And the next morning I went to my local dairy run by a, a lovely Indian family and I went in and got, got yeah. my flavoured milk and I just said, you watched cricket last night? You should have. All of them leapt up out of their seats <laughs> and commentated the last over to me again. And it affects Indians around the world. And I just love I love their passion. Um, New Zealand fans, we were, geez, we're still buzzing about that performance against Australia. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the most complete white ball performances we've seen for our team for a long, long time. It wasn't just one or two guys. It was it was the team. Yeah, it's a really good point too, Mark, because, you know, the, the media here has been focusing on Australia's performance, which was disappointing. But I, I think 
I think the great thing about the the World Cup and these events is you're surrounded by true internationals. You know, you're sitting there with Ian Smith and, and Simon Dool. Last night I was sitting next to Sonny Gavaskar commentating a game of cricket, pinching myself, but you get a more global perspective. And, and the perspective, I think, which was the real perspective and the proper perspective was Australia didn't have a good night, but New Zealand did not do a thing wrong. Fielded brilliantly, like that catch by Phillips. Bold, wonderful lines and lengths and battered out of their skin. So I think full credit should be given to New Zealand for their performance rather than detract it from saying Australia didn't perform well. They weren't allowed to perform well. In a game of matchups, New Zealand dominated Kane's a star the way he captained the side. Um, and New Zealand always gets it done in these white ball tournaments. So it'll be interesting to see how they go after that match. Obviously, Afghanistan next. But mate, they were fantastic. They were just clinical and had a win you know normally we send smithy off packing on fox cricket with his tar between his legs and he's moping <laughs> around after australia's belt at new zealand but by gee in the bar that night he was just sitting there in the corner the king just <laughs> everyone was coming up to him and he was just saying yes new zealand's back so i loved it i really did i enjoyed it we've got afghanistan uh tonight uh, their mm. first match they weren't very flash with the bat but the one thing that worries me about Afghanistan is they don't have the team depth, but they've got Rashid Khan, and he's I can just see five for 24 or something like that. <laughs> Such is the nature of the brilliance of that young man. Yeah, oh, he's a star, isn't he? And obviously he's played all these grounds so frequently in the Big Bash. I think England got Afghanistan on the best possible ground they can play them on in, uh, in Perth. Similarly, like I think Australia got the ground they'd like to play Sri Lanka on because it doesn't generally favour the spinners like Hasaranga got smacked last night 52 overs, uh, 52 off 3 overs so MCG different story uh, You know, he's a superstar Rashid Khan and he could winkle out a couple of wickets early and, and then it becomes a game because as you say it's so unpredictable, their batting's probably a little bit light on but I think, I think you guys will get the job done and I think you'll get it done reasonably easily there might be a few uncomfortable moments, but I think you've got the power and the batting order and the way the boys can swing the ball at the top. You know, Bolt, he's a superstar. So I think you get it done, but hopefully it's a good game of cricket and, and I've got to be very careful saying this going to New Zealand. But by gee, the way the net run rate works and who needs to beat who, I'll be cheering, cheering, cheering for the mighty Afghanistan as they can pull off an upset. <laughs> That's very brave, Howie. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Mark Howard, affectionately known as Howie. Lastly, you just mentioned we're playing the, the MCG. Our first game against Australia was the SCG. You've called many, many games at both of these. What What is the main characteristic changes that New Zealand will have to take their approach to an MCG game against an SCG game? Yeah, it's a great question. The boundaries are so big at the MCG like they are in Perth here that, you know, the, the players call it hit it into the pockets. So it doesn't have to be bash and crash. It'll, it'll suit the likes of Williamson. I think where you can just work those twos, bat cleverly and score twos rather than having to try every hit every ball out of the ground because it's a much bigger ground. So the, I think the main key for the batting side is to realise there's twos out there and work those twos because they add up really quickly and they get four twos and over. That's eight off and over without taking a great deal of risk. So uh, if you're batting first, MCG this time of year, I reckon you're trying to post 170, 175, 180 if you're flying, but you don't need to hit every ball out of the park. I reckon that's the major difference, mate, because it's such a big ground, the MCG. Mm, fantastic. All right, Howie, we'll let you carry on. I know it's incredibly busy, but enjoyable time for you. The T20 World Cup being hosted in Australia. I'm just stoked we got off to a good start. And I'm secretly happy that Aussie got back on track too with 
the destroyer Stoinis doing the business. But Howie, uh, we will we will crack on. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the tournament. Anytime. I hope I can speak to you again soon, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. Have a great day. No worries, Howie. Um, always good to catch up with him. Um, great man, Howie. Um, and I just reiterate, his, his podcast is absolutely fantastic. I was just having a little look at Afghanistan, and I told you about my worry that um, we can get skittled by anyone, but I just had a quick look at the TRB odds. It's $1.17,455 for Afghanistan. Jeepers. Pretty much one-way traffic. Uh, also today, starting at 5 o'clock, we've got England taking on Ireland. And then tomorrow, South Africa take on Bangladesh. India versus the Netherlands. And then Friday, Pakistan against Zimbabwe. So... Um, one, two, three, four, five games with hot favourites. Five games with hot, hot favourites. Just wondering if there's an upset in the making. Um, we've seen upsets before. Don't know if it'll come in this round, though. Not so sure if it will come into this round. Um, but that was Mark Howard. Always good to talk to him. Uh, earlier, about an hour ago, we talked to Modi Moore. He is the Breakers coach as well. And still to come... Between 2 and 2.30, we're going to catch up with Mark Sorensen, the Black Sox head coach. He named his squad for the World Cup, uh, the World Championships, which are on at Rosedale Park in Auckland. They've just had the Nationals. Uh, he liked what he saw and named his team. But, um, geez, a lot of new caps and a lot of established caps that didn't make the team. So we'll talk to him about his rationale. I want to know about the pitching, pitching strength because... Um, Potentially hitting and batting is is the uh, sorry throwing and batting, pitching and batting are the two most important things in softball. But it's great that it's back up and underway. Sort of had a hiatus, hasn't it? Softball, um, one of the ones affected by COVID, no travel, uh, and I'd imagine all the other teams as well have been affected by that as well. And if you want uh, voting, is going to close in about ninety seconds for the GWE Top of TV character jamboree, um, where we find uh, Tony Soprano taking on Fonzie, so text through Soprano or Fonzie, and the other matchup is Bean versus Homer, Mr Bean versus Homer Simpson so Soprano or Fonzie and Bean or Homer, and I can tell you, one of them, one of those matchups is very very close at the moment so 60 seconds to get your votes in on that, we'll also find out very soon uh, what's making news straight after this news bulletin though, we're going to catch up with the winner of the Addington Survivor competition. This is where there was 10 races on the card and you had to pick a place getter in every race. And if you got it right, you carried on to the next race and so on and so on until it was the last person standing. We are going to contact the winner and inform them that they've won. We'll get Simon on from Addington, tell them what they've won. So if you've entered that, listen in. See if we can find out tactically how the winner how the winner got it. It's fantastic competition that was run by them. Um, good stuff. And also being a Wednesday, we do have the chase. That'll be about 2.40, 2.45, somewhere in that vicinity. You're on Afternoons with Staffy in association with Gull. Great savings every day with Gull. Get on to gull.nz. Register your, your phone number or your email account. They don't spam you. They just let you know when the specials are on, when the savings are on. And that's where we go and fill up with that great economical fuel from Gull. Thanks to them joining us every day. Also, a quick reminder today, I'm off here at 3 o'clock, but 3 till 4, Sammy will become the co-host with Tony Kemp 
running it straight in the middle of the Rugby League World Cup. Fantastic league dedicated show three to four. But for now, new sport and weather. And after that, we're going to contact a winner. Welcome back in. I know there's a few of you out there who have played the Anington Survivor uh, competition. I actually had a crack a couple of times and I seem to get tipped out quite quickly. Um, joining us now out of Addington, a uh, great crew that put this competition on is Simon. G'day, Simon. Hey, Seth. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, look, very good. Thank you. 13 days to the big day. And it's um, shaping up to be a real peak. You can't wait. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And it's been a great competition and it's whet a lot of people's appetite for IRT New Zealand Cup Day. Oh, cannot wait. We have got the winner of the Survivor Series on. It sounds like a TV reality show, but I think it was harder. Logan joins us. G'day, Logan. Good man. How did you win this? Like I follow the harness, and I I got bundled out early. What was your tactic, or do you keep it close to your chest? You know, I'll keep my secrets hidden. That's for sure. I'm not really. Yeah, we've got no idea how I won it. Just (laughs) entered in and got lucky. I guess that's all it was. Oh, nice, fantastic. All right, mate. Well, I've got Simon from Addington on the line with us, Logan. So, Simon, you tell Logan what he's won, what he's in for. Yeah. Hey, Logan. How you doing? Look, congratulations. Um, you have won a table of 10 valued at uh, $3,700 in our Monte Carlo marquee. Now, um, these are all sold out now. In fact, all of our hospitality is now sold out. Uh, and your package yeah. includes um, premium catering all day, uh, food on arrival, interpastos on arrival, all-day cheeses, uh, buffet lunch, late afternoon tea. Uh, more importantly, all your beverages are included, premium wines, no. bubbles, beer, no non-alc. <laughs> Um, uh, live yeah. entertainment in the marquee throughout the day, private TAB facilities. Look, you are you are not going to want for anything on this day, and, and you and your crew are going to have an absolute treat, mate. Logan. Yeah, properly ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's unreal. I can't believe it, actually. Mate, all-day bevies and all-day cheese. If you've only got eight mates and you need a tenth, <laughs> just holler. All-day cheese? I'm all about that. <laughs> Yeah, you can't ask much more, can you? No, mate. You are going to have an absolute... Have you been to New Zealand Cup Day or anything to do with Cup Cup Week uh, before? No, I haven't been to Cup Day. My granddad's a member at Addington, so I was there a couple of weekends ago with the um, Cup pitch, got a final of the Cup, so that's pretty wicked. Well, you are, going to be, you are going to be right in amongst it. Right in amongst it, mate. Yeah, wicked. Cannot wait. And Logan, uh, just stick there, because Simon, give give us not a horse tip, but give us a survival tip for Cup Day for Logan. I'm I'm scared he's gonna he's gonna you know go hard in the opening uh, opening stanza. It's a long day. So what's your tip? Yeah, look, it certainly is a long day, uh, Steph and Logan. Look, my my tip for enjoying the day is is firstly make sure you slip slot slap because it, it's always sunny on Cup Day, uh, and make sure that you do pace yourself. It is a it is a um, it is not a sprint. It is a, a full thirty two hundred metres on the day, and you want to make sure that you see it all the way to the end. 
There you go, Logan. <laughs> You've drawn the ace. You're off the front row on the inside, up behind the mobile barrier, and you're going to be flying. Uh, I'd love to hear from you after Cup Day to see how you enjoyed your day, eh? Yeah, no, I'm good for that as well. Awesome. I'm sure it'll be gravy. Yeah, it'll be gravy. Awesome, Logan. You enjoy your day. And Simon at Addington, you and uh, the crew down there at Addington do a fantastic job. Um, I'm stoked that Logan's going to go and enjoy your hospitality and the carnival and the atmosphere that is Cup Day. Um, I know you're busy. 13 days, tick-tock, tick-tock. Here we come. Cheers, staff. Appreciate all your support. Cheers, mate. Cheers, boys. Simon and Logan there. Simon's like Father Christmas to Logan, and Logan is going to have an outstanding day. Cup day is coming up. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland, this is the GWE Top of TV character Chamboree. Results time! It's results time, people. Oh, we have nervous. our first Elite Eight entrance. Only eight contestants will make up the next round, and we have our first two now. We start in the Eastern Conference where we had Tony Soprano, the number one seed, going up against Fonzie, the 15th seed, and Captain K is down the sideline. Captain K, what do you got for us? Guys, can you hear me? Can you hear me down here? <laughs> nah, guys, look, uh, to start off the round of 16, obviously, Sammy, you just said there, Tony Soprano against the font. Jeez, it was a tight... Icons. Tight, tight contest that <gasps> went all the way down to the wire, but uh, it was the experience uh, that ah. came there in the end. They were a little scared. I saw them call a timeout, bring everyone in. Smart. Tony Soprano, he had a, he had a go at everyone, and uh, Tony Soprano's taken it out 60% of the vote. So no, it, was very, it was very close, but they did manage to pull away in the last. So oh. Tony Soprano. surprised by that stat. Yeah, I, love, I thought, I, I did think Fonzie was maybe a season too early for the Sweet 16. One to watch mm. out for next year. Uh, good call, actually, yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say young talent, but um, I think you're right. I think they're building the blocks for for one, one year's time. And then in the Western Conference, we had Mr. Bean, the number two seed, going up against Homer Simpson from the Simpsons. The 14th seed. Cares. Remember, this is characters, not TV shows. It's the actual character. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Uh, look, boys, crossing over to the West, it, it was another battle. Uh, the Homer Simpson did take an early lead in the first quarter, and then uh, just like we, we heard from Modi Moore, just missed a few shots, lost the momentum. I saw him uh, do a little shimmy, jack up a shot. Oh! He missed. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yes. Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean, oh. he's run away with 70 Wow. So 70 plays 30 That's was convincing. the final score. That's that very similar to the Breakers' last game where they only scored five points in the first quarter. And I think you'll remember, Steph, um, before the tournament, Mr. Bean was sitting at about a $4.50 favourite. What does a 70% win in the second round do to his odds, do you think? Well, that's an interesting point because Soprano's shown he's fallible. Yeah. I mean, if these two end up in the final, God knows. Mm, well, um, they won't end up in the... Oh, they, they could end up in the final, yeah. They, yeah, they could, could end up. They're so, on separate sides. So my advice would be get online now and get your tickets for the final because it will sell out. Oh, it'll sell out fast. Yeah. It'll sell out very, uh, very fast. And they, I already know the hospitality packages are, are already gone, so yeah. uh, you'll be looking at the nosebleeds. But that's okay. You'll still be there to cheer. <laughs> so we go to the second matchup of the day. And our final matchup for today before we uh, bring you two more tomorrow. And in the East, it's a good matchup between Basil Fawlty, the third seed of this competition, and Daisy Duke, oh the number 13 God. seed. It's tough, staff, but I think there is uh, a team there that has been known to get it done. And I think uh, we'll continue. But, hey, I make calls like that all the time, and very Jeez, rarely do I they come true. I don't know who I'd vote for in that. Mm. Like, Daisy, she formed part of my adolescence. 
and there's a fold is funny. Yeah, look, that was Rachel Green for me. Um, okay, well, Basil Faulty v. Daisy Duke. And then in the Western Conference, we've got Al Bundy, who I've also got... I've, every time I say that name, I've got to triple-check myself to make sure I don't say Ted Bundy. <laughs> Al Bundy, the number four seed, going up against Walter White, the 16th seed. <laughs> and that is, I would say, a generational vote, Steph. You've got Walter White, who's arguably a part of the best TV show, certainly rated. Yeah, if you um, look at TV ratings, Breaking Bad is in just about every surveys top three as as a show. Mm. But we're talking about the character, Walter White, the character Al Bundy. Yeah. So text through Faulty or Daisy and Bundy or Walter. And then we will have two teams, uh, sorry, four teams through to our Elite Eight with another four coming through tomorrow. When That's, are we resulting this, mate? Uh, what do you mean, resulting the whole thing? No, no, this, this particular oh, probably one. probably at 2.30. 2.30. Yeah. So you got an hour. you got 50 minutes. And I'll just say, um, what I will say, Steph, is... Yes, Brendan. This is um, a sports bracket like no other, um, being a sports radio station. Uh, we talk a lot of sport, and this is, uh, this is a sports 32 like no other. We are on the hunt to find the number one TV character, as you would in a normal sporting tournament. Yeah. There will only be one team that remains at the end. And my, my – it's not a guarantee, but I will guarantee whoever wins this bracket, I will do my darndest to get either the winner – or something closely related to the winner on the show. Yeah, that that's could go it could be a very long bow there for, well, see, for like, related to the character, but we'll try our best. I mean if Tony Soprano wins, I could get Kiri Takanoa. She's a soprano singer. Good call. Or we could do what they did with the uh was it two degrees or someone did those ads where they got people called like Michael Jordan that's to right. do the ads. Um there might be a Tony Soprano in New Zealand somewhere. Tony. In come the votes. In come the votes. Text them in. Double eight, double three. Text them in, Sam, eh? Yeah, okay. Get them in. The two choices are Basil Faulty. So text through Basil or Daisy. And text through Bundy or Walter. And we will find our first quarter finalist by day's end. Stick around. We're going to find out what's making news weirdly through Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent... And horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? <laughs> I just read the text from Dave. Just saying it's hard. However, based on the fact Staffy is going to get Daisy Duke and those legs on the show, I'm sorry, sorry Basil. Daisy Duke gets my vote. <laughs> Standard. Although, how old would she be now? Ooh, that's a good 60, I don't know. Yeah. Times, yeah, times might have changed. But Catherine Bach? When was, the, when, when was Dukes of Hazzard? I was a kid. 80s, 90s? Yeah, 80s, probably. Sure, yeah. Bowen that's Luke a while too. ago. Um, what's making news around the world, Steph? You, we talk a lot about Erling Haaland on this show. We Footballer do. Footballer from Manchester. From Belgium. From Belgium as well. Is he, no, he's from he's from Norway. You're from thinking Norway. Of, you're thinking of Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne, he's from yeah, Belgium. They do look similar. They both play for Sete. And you know, it's like being Auckland and Waikato. It's basically the same. Don't you dare I... do that. Don't you dare do that. Um, well, it might not surprise you that one of the keys to Erlen Harling's success is his rigid, and I mean rigid, sleep schedule. Right. Let me talk about this with you, Steph. So first of all, he wears orange-tinted blue light glasses for a couple of hours before he goes to bed. Smart. 
to you know filter out all the bad light, let his eyes recover. Uh, to avoid distractions, he switches off his phone um, an hour or two before he goes to bed and puts it on Do Not Disturb. Smart. So, you know, clean, cleanses himself of that. Um, he goes to bed every single night between 10 and 10.30. Mm. Every single night. No, there's no, hey, you want to come out for a bit? No. I can till 10.28. Yeah, I can till 10, as long as I'm back by 10.28. Apparently he wears an aura ring, which measures, measures all your sleep quality, your temperature, your heart rate and everything. And the best part of this whole thing, Staff, is he wakes up, his alarm clock when he wakes up, is the Champions League anthem. <laughs> That's what plays out <laughs> when he wakes up. I think he's got it sussed. I think he's got it sussed. No wonder he's playing so well and scoring goals for fun. Now, I don't want to usurp your story. Please do. But do you, do you know what he does after the alarm goes off? No. He gets up mm. and he looks at the sun. With his eyes closed, through his eyelids, opens the sun to tell his body it is daytime. And do you know what he eats? No. Awful. Where did you learn all of this? Look. Don't tell me it was a What's Making News like four weeks ago. No. No, no, no. I just read it. Yeah, it came up. You know how Facebook tracks what you're talking about. And we were talking about Erling Haaland one day and I went home and there's a story about Erling Haaland and how wet he is. He eats awful. Awful. Awful only. Wow. Mm. Well, okay. Well, no wonder he's good. I mm. mean, maybe I need to switch my regime a little bit and, uh, <laughs> you know, eat some awful and go to bed between 10 and 10.30. Um, now, I'm wearing my NASA hoodie today, Steph. I see that. That's for a reason. And it's because uh, NASA has confirmed that its UFO study, its official UFO study has begun. Full force, they're saying. We are now going full force on unidentified aerial phenomenon. UAPs is what they call them nowadays. Um, officially began its study into the strange objects that are often reported by the US military. You know, the Tic Tac UFO and that from the from the jets. Uh, we have 16 members over the nine next months, over the nine, over the next nine months that will research all the data collected by both civil, uh, civilians and government agencies to investigate the UAPs. They are expecting to publish their fighting staff in 2023. But what happened, like, again, when I was a kid, there was UFO sightings all the time and it made huge news around the world. Do they not come anymore? No, they, they're here all the time. They're, I'm, I'm part of a few pages on Facebook, but, you know. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Are you really? Yeah, just for a bit of a laugh. Sometimes they're very comical because it's, it's, very, laugh, it's very clearly mate, like a streetlight and the guy's like, oh, my gosh, what is that? Mate, what is that, t- John? You own a oh, telescope. Oh, that's a streetlight, Barry. Oh, okay, okay. You own a telescope and you live rural to get the yep. light out so you can see the UFOs clearly. Correct. Yeah, I communicate with them with my aura ring and my orange and blue tint glasses. Spare a thought, will you, staff, please, for Kim Kardashian? Because her 42nd birthday party was ruined. She was on her way to Las Vegas to celebrate in style, dressed to the nines, but the jet uh, and the pilot, her private jet, $72 million private jet, by the way, um, said... Look, I can't land because 60 mile an hour wind gusts, it's just mm. not going to be safe. Uh, we're going to have to cancel the uh, the Las Vegas party. So what did Kim Kardashian do? She had to have her birthday. Oh my gosh, I had to have my birthday at an In-N-Out Burger <laughs> establishment. But guess what, staff? She's still dressed to the nines. She put she on the, the Gucci and she had this necklace that was worth 100000 and she wore this, was it, a boa or whatever you wear around your neck and that was worth hundreds of thousands celebrating her birthday at In-N-Out Burger. A little bit of justice in that, I feel. A little bit of justice. And finally, if I can squeeze this one in, uh, Anthony Galling from uh, 
the Cook Islands rugby league team has given perhaps the best tourism advert for the Cook Islands I've ever heard during a half-time speech at the Rugby League World Cup. Um, we're tougher now that it's raining. No, we're not really used to it. No, we're used to the sunshine, palm trees. If you're ever looking for a holiday, winning, honeymoon, stag do, check out the Cook Islands. It's beautiful. It's like a postcard. There's a law there by law. You can't have any buildings taller than the tallest coconut tree. That's incredible. That's you, should incredible. Be the, you should be the ambassador for the Cook Islands. I agree. That was a half-time speech during the Rugby League World Cup. Fantastic. He is the ambassador get, for get, tourism. Get the message out there. Um, I'll have to give you a fact after the break. Go on then. All right. Fact. Mark. Lee Stafford. You'll get this right. It's not mind-blowing. But when do you think, across a seven-day period, time and day, do you think you weigh the most? Oh, on great. average. Right. Uh, Monday morning. Correct. As soon as I get up. 100%. Monday morning. Do you know why? Because I um, consume more on a Saturday and Sunday than I do Monday to Friday. Correct. And you're not working it off. You're you're generally relaxing, lounging, Being lazy. I wouldn't call it relax. I'd call it being lazy. Oh, lounging. Especially when there's a whole host of World Cups on. Yeah. But obviously, and you tend to eat large, more calorie-rich meals. Um, You're not on the rush. You're not on the go. So you... uh, you, you really park up and get it going. So there you go, Monday morning. That's when you, if you're if you're doing some sort of weight competition for your local gym, just don't get weight on a Monday. Oh, I'll tell you about a competition we used to do amongst work colleagues after the news. It's a good comp. We can play it amongst us. Highlanders team's been named two minutes ago. Big news. Big news for Highlanders and Aaron Smith fans. Aaron Smith, no longer the captain. Didn't mean to tease you like that. Um, That's the big news, I guess. Uh, Billy Harmon is now the captain. So I haven't looked at the Highlanders team yet. This is my first time I've set my eyes on it. Let's run through it because it's the last one to be named. Jermaine Ainsley. Lenny Upperside, Nakora Broughton, Daniel Leonard-Brown, Josh Dixon, Shannon Frizzell, Ethan DeGroote, Billy Harmon, your new captain, Max Hicks, Fabian Holland, Luca Inch, Aidan Johnston, James Lynchies, big fan of James Lynchies, Andy Makaleo, Reese Marshall down to the Highlanders, Fantas- great player, Reese Marshall, uh, Sola Mau, uh, Marino, Makaili Tu'u, Pari Pari Parkinson, Hugh Renton, Jeff Waits, Will Tucker, Sean Withy. Into the backs. Quickly looking. No, Jackson Garden Bishop. Uh, James Arscott. Connor Garden Bishop. Marty Banks. Mosesi Dawai. Falau Fokotava. Sam Gilbert. Scott Gregory. Mitch Hunt. Villamoni Karoi. Jonah Lowe goes down to the Highlanders. Cam Miller. Jono Nareki. Fatulipaya. Aaron Smith. Josh Timu. Thomas Umanga Jensen. So, no. Super Rugby team for the first five from the Wellington Lions championship winning team. But I guess these squads would have been picked before the NPC final. But um, And there will be injuries, so be interesting to see what happens to a few of these players. But that, Is that big news? Aaron Smith lost the captaincy. Billy Harmon now the skipper. He's had a, f- 
fine season, Billy Harmon. He does look like a he'd he'd make a fantastic skipper. Um, he captained Canterbury in the NPC this season, of course. Um, dropped from the Crusaders. Had to find a new job in Dunedin at the end of last year. Clark Dermody, uh, he quotes uh, why he appointed him captain ahead of Aaron Smith. He says, from my very first discussion with Billy, he was keen to do the job. Clearly his level of play on the field is always top notch, but he also brings some great leadership skills to the role. He's a pretty calm, collected sort of guy, and I thought he did an outstanding job with Canterbury this year. I'm sure he'll add a great deal of leadership environment in this environment this season. So there it is, Highlanders fans. There it is. I'd heard rumblings that uh, Makali Tu'u might have been heading away. He's still there. Um, I think it's good get Reese Marshall when you're wanting leadership and consistency. He's been fantastic for Waikato last couple of years. Um, quick scan. Not the worst. Not the worst at all. So we've got all five teams. So that'll be available um, on all the websites and social media and everything that you uh, you want to have a look at. Um, I talked about a, a thing we a, play, a game we played, a challenge we had amongst staff, Sam, that we could. Um, I don't think you'll be a part of it actually, but there might be some people at office every November. Why aren't I part of it? I, no, no, you can be a part. Of it. I don't think you'll be engaged. You go, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, okay. So it runs, Try me. runs for the month of November. Nah, don't want to be part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Now go on, go on. Which is challenging because it's a big racing month and lots of celebrations. We used to play The Biggest Loser in November. Oh, okay. And you have a weigh-in at work. Mm -hmm. You bring the scales in. Weigh-in on the 1st of November. Everyone Mm -hmm. gets weighed. And then you weigh out on the 30th of November. Mm -hmm. And the person that loses the most percentage, so it's not like he won because he lost four kilos. It's a percentage of the start, so it's a, a level playing field. Yep. And... Everyone paid, back in those days, I think everyone paid 20 bucks entry fee, and the person with the highest percentage um, won the cash. I'm all about it. Let's do it. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm and, keen. And interestingly, back in the TAB days, when mm. we played that one November, mm. the smallest bloke won. And what, what, he's a cunning man. Okay. Currently a politician, Kieran McAnulty. Okay. He. Carbo loaded for the fortnight leading up to oh, November. That's bad. <laughs> yes. um, and he didn't admit it until after the final race had been run. Oh, so see, like he, he weighed in at something like 84 kilos and finished at 78 or something like that. So six kilos, it's not, it's one and a half kilos a week. Yeah. But he started so small, his percentage was high. So it's, it is. Uh, see, I'll, I'll take part as long as we don't get those sort of shenanigans. No, we don't need those shenanigans. I back myself to lose, um, I reckon, 10 kgs. In a month? Yeah. You're mental. Nah. How do you do that? I, because for. Hang on, tune in. This is slimming with Sam. No, no, no. This is a very Sam specific thing here. Because I, I was like 75 kgs basically my whole life until COVID hit. And all my sports leagues got cancelled, and we sort of coincided with us moving out to country, so you can't run on the country roads. So I just became very, very inactive compared to my usual life, and and I've put on about ten kg since COVID first hit. Wow! But I won't go any higher. Like I, I haven't gone higher than those ten kg, so I'm not going to put on weight pretty much at all. But I reckon it's only going to take me getting active again, and that'll go straight away. Two and a half kgs a week. Yeah, I reckon I'd I reckon I'd lose it real quick. Captain K, tell him he's dreaming.
Tell me I'm dreaming, mate. It's doable. It's 100% doable. That, that's that's the sort of hype man I want in my corner, Steph. But he's okay. a competitor. He'll, two years he'll ago, jump in. Yeah, two years ago, Steph, I lost 24 kilos in three months from Gee, intermittent what? fasting and, yes, yeah, and running every day. Uh, cardio is really – I didn't think cardio was important. And then month, month two and month three – I started uh, integrating cardio into my fasting, and it just went whooshka, shredding, see, see, mate. If, if we, so I'm in. I'm in we, all day. If we do this, I'm going to be a big fan of the intermittent fasting. I think I'm going to just – and maybe – not going to do the carb loading thing, but leading up to November 30th, I'll probably just won't eat for two days. But see, I do intermittent fasting. I don't eat between 9 and 12. I don't eat between 12.30 and 6. And I don't eat between 6 and 9. And then I don't eat from 9 until 6 the next morning. That's intermittent. <laughs> yeah, you're not eating all the time. No. I get you. I get you. But uh, no, it could be fun. We'd have to. We'd definitely have to write in some rules. Like, would are you, would are you allowed to not eat? Say like the two days leading up to the last. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Because that seems a bit cheap as well. Because you lose saunas. a lot of. Yeah, that's that's what the UFC guys do, don't they? And the jockeys and the, and the boxers. Spa yeah. pools, hot baths. Anyway, doesn't it ruin them? Just quickly. Ruin who? Like boxers and that that do the spa the the heavy saunas. It like completely. Screws oh, them up. Completely dehydrated, and yeah. um, they're doing something about it. They've already done something in boxing. They're trying to address it in UFC as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but that could be interesting. We'll, we'll keep you up to date with developments. Uh, we're going to take a break. Big, big world championship softball is going to be hosted in New Zealand. The head coach named his squad yesterday. Mark Sorensen joining us after the break. We're not far away from the World Cup of softball. Uh, that is an event that New Zealand has a rich heritage in and a man that was a part of many World Cup wins. And uh, both as a player and as a coach is uh, Mark Brutus Sorensen. Uh, Mark, thanks for joining us today. It's getting exciting. Hey, Steph. It's, uh, thanks for having me along. But, yeah, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head then. It, it, it's very real now. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, well, geez, it's next month. It's November. So I think we're about five weeks away. And you've just named your your squad. Um, was it difficult? How, and, I, and I mean difficult because did the depth of New Zealand talent make it difficult? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was difficult. It was, you know, we, um, you know, getting down to the, the final members of the team. You know, we, take, we picked 16 in the team. We were working with... A lot of these guys for for three years now, and some longer. Um, but yeah, making that you know those uh, deciding on those final spots is is a good position to be in. It means that you know we've, I guess we've done a reasonable job of developing talent um, to to have them competing. But yesterday, especially with some of the phone calls I had to make, and I always make a, a point of of calling the guys that miss myself. Um, there's some pretty tough phone calls. Um, you know, and, and it just highlights to me, you know, and, and not that it was ever in question, but certainly highlighted at the time how much it means to the guys, you know, how how hard they'd worked and what they'd committed to the program. Um, so, you know, challenge for us now is to, you know, to, I guess, wrap support around those guys that haven't made the side because, you know, you want them to continue and, you know, pick themselves up, dust, dust themselves off and keep playing. But, you know, I think there's been three out of the last five World Cups where there's been an injury beforehand. So, you know, you're going to need to go to the bench potentially to um, pull someone into the squad. So, so we want to um, make sure that we keep those guys training and engaged and uh, ready if needed. Seven first timers in the World Cup. Uh, that, that that is a lot of rookies to go to the pinnacle event. Is it? Uh, have they taken place of guys that have uh, hit the cusp of their career, or is it is their form irrepressible and you have to include them? Uh, and I guess the third, the third or is is part of this building. 
Um, I, I don't think the World Cup's the place to build talent. Um, you've got to go there with your best because ultimately you're going to war. So, no, it's it's a it's probably a combination of both because we, you know, the, the World Cup was delayed 18 months. So, you know, some of the senior guys that were there last time, um, that extra 18 months um, is, a, is, is a little bridge too far. Uh, but then, you know, potentially a guy like Tane Mumu in the squad at, at 19 uh, 18 months ago, it would have been too early for him. So it's kind of played into his hands. So it's it's worked. Uh, it's worked at both ends of the scale. But you know, we we as a selection group believe that we've picked the best talent available. So you know, it's probably um, to your question that that irrepressible form has dictated that these guys um, are the ones that we believe in, and believe will be the guys that will help us make a run at this title. Cole Evans is going to captain the squad. You've been captain as a player as well. What what are the qualities in Cole that made you convinced he needs the captain's armband? Well, we we've identified Cole you know, a number of years ago. He's going to his fourth World Cup, and he's turning, well, just turned the ripe old age of twenty three. <laughs> um, yeah, going to his fourth World Cup, so he's got a he's got a bit of uh, history there. Um, he's he's a quality young man, you know. He's he's got a good moral compass. Um, he's got a great work ethic. Uh, he's a leader on and off the diamond naturally. And you know, when you go into these roles, I, I don't think you know. And I'm, I'm, it's probably a generalisation, but to be fair, I don't think many captains go in fully equipped and ready for the job. You know, there is an element of learning because Cole's been captain for two years, um, but he's never captained a game for us because we haven't played for over three years. So, you know, part of our job will be also to help support and guide him, um, you know, be a sounding board for him. But he's also got his leadership group, fellow senior guys in the squad that um, he can bounce things off. But we'll be keeping a close eye on him just to make sure that, the you know, it's 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 one thing to, to be captain of your country. Uh, it's another thing to be captain of your country in a World Cup at home. You know, the... the the weight of the jersey is heavy enough, but playing at home, where you know it, it's it's great to play in front of our you know our family, our friends, and and everybody from the softball community, but that expectation goes up because everybody's at the park and you know they they expect great things. So we'll we'll be making sure that we you know keep an eye on him and and make sure he's well equipped um, internally with with the resources we have and, and people we have in all, in the organisation, but also outside as well. Uh, every innings and every act starts with the ball and the man on the mound's uh, mitt. Uh, pitching strength. Uh, talk to us about your pitches. Right, uh, we've got three pitches that we've named in the squad. We've named um, Daniel Chapman, Josh Pettit, and Pitarona. And uh, JP's going to his uh, third World Cup. Um, he, he started the final for us in 2017 when we won. So, you know, he's had some experience at that level. Uh, Daniel is, is going to his second. Um, he was there in Prague last time. You know, they're both uh, big boys, hard throwers, uh, have all the pitches. And uh, Daniel's just coming back from a, a back injury where he had surgery back in April. So he's been on the on the mound on the diamond for the last three weeks. And he's he's working through a return, I guess, like a return to work program. And he pitched last weekend in the national uh, provincial championships in Christchurch, and and he he looked he looked good, but he looked rusty. 
So he just needs a little bit more time in the cell. Uh, and then our third pitcher, Pitarona, he's going to his uh, first World Cup, but son of, um, you know, one of our legends, Brad Rona. Uh, and Pitt has grown up at the Diamond. You know, he's, he's grown up at the ballpark since, you know, he was a little baby, you know, and, and uh, he would have, they would have had, uh, you know, with Dad being um, such a legend of the sport and, and, and a high achiever, the, the conversations around the dining room table in the Rona house uh, would have centred around softball for a long, long time. But, you know, Pitt is 6'5", um, you know, long legs, long arms, um, throws the ball hard, has, has a world-class change-up. And we're looking for him to provide a little bit of variety from uh, what we get from uh, Josh and, and Daniel. Just a departure from the World Cup a little bit. You're obviously at the Nationals, um, speaking out to the high performers and who was going to make up your squad. What did you see amongst the next tier down? How many steps are, are they away from maybe representing nationally? So, so just the, step, uh, the strength or the depth of the squads around the country, given there's been no softball for a while? Oh, look, there's a, there's a group of guys that, you know, probably probably five or six um, that are pretty close to this group. And then there's a bit of a drop to the next tier. Um, and, and that drop will be, uh, will be able to bridge that um, over the coming years with the world opening up again. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is that we'll be able to travel. You know, we've we've used development tours uh, ever since I've been playing, you know, uh, way back then even. Um, we were able to take guys away offshore and, you know, you play, you know, you're away for a couple of weeks and you might play 12 or 14 games in four different cities. So you get to learn about guys. You get to work with them day in, day out. You, you, you get to see how they react under pressure and how they deal with stress of, you know, playing at night, travelling in the morning, playing again the next night, you know, um, and facing different opposition and different climates and different countries and cultures. And, you know, all of those things contribute to the development of the talent. And with not having had the opportunity to do that, a sport like ours, um, you know, has really, excuse me, has really suffered. And and when I say a sport like ours, I, I think we're similar to, to most grassroots sports in terms of, you know, the unprofessional ones where COVID has really driven a wedge um, and the gap, I think, is, has never been greater between the professional sports and, and the amateur sports because those guys and girls have still played. You know, they've still had the competitions. They've been able to go away. They've been able to do the, you know, the managed isolation where, you know, my guys, um, my guys are still working. So if we're going to go away for two weeks, uh, where there were opportunities, but then come back, and have to go into manage isolation as was required then. Uh, that's four weeks away, which which is a lot for a you know a guy that's working. Use mm. um, we leave, so you know that where beforehand we you know everybody was getting their opportunity to, to put their best foot forward in terms of sports with you know your exposure with with TV, radio, print media, and stuff. You're able to, to bring in countries from overseas, but that just obviously stopped, didn't it? So you know it. For our sport, it is what it is, um, and this opportunity now that we have with the World Cup coming up is is the perfect opportunity to springboard, you know, not only the the Black Sox in the men game, men's game, but the sport back into, um, you know, I guess public knowledge and public eye, and and get get people recognising it again. Is that going to be a hindrance? I'd imagine the other softball nations have say uh, sort of faced similar obstacles with not playing. Um, I think in your heart of hearts, you probably 
not ready for a World Cup, but are we facing a whole lot of other teams that aren't ready without ideal preparations for World Cup? Well, I guess the advantage we had is that we'd already qualified because we're at home, so we're the host. Where the other countries have have had to qualify, so they have had qualification tournaments in in different parts of the world. So they have had games. Uh, In terms of not being prepared, we'll be prepared, mate. We're going to be ready. Uh, we, we're going to we're, we're going to have played the most games out of any country uh, prior to the World Cup. So um, don't you worry about that, Tim. <laughs> it was a bit of a dig question, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, the family nature of softball as well. You know, I was lucky enough to spend uh, the whole tournament. I think it was about three years ago up at Rosedale Park, and um, I just loved the family vibe on the other side of the fence. It's the, you mentioned you're a grassroots sport. Just the passion of... It's a real family feeling when you go to a softball tournament. And even though this is a World Cup, that will still be there and something you can feed off. Oh, absolutely. I think it'll be on a, on a, on a greater scale as well because, you know, the family's going to come from far and wide. You know, people are make, uh, booking their holidays and booking their trips around it. So, you know, that, it, it's going to be... A, you know, it's, a, it's a hot ticket within our sport, you know, so... Uh, it doesn't happen that often, so when it does, um, you know, the community really rallies around, and and people will always bring other people with them, you know. So uh, I, I haven't spent a lot of time behind the outfield fence at um, at these events, but I know that you know when we've come off the diamond, uh, you know, I guess the the signal for me is how long it takes you to get from the dugout to to the bus. Um, you know, once, once you've spent a bit of time and. And when you're at home, it takes longer, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing, you know, engaging with the, you know, with our, our, our whanau, our community, um, and seeing people that maybe hadn't seen for a while. And, and that's the, the beauty of, you know, sport and a sport like ours is it, it pulls people back together. Talking to head coach Mark Sorensen here to the Black Sox uh, hosting the World Cup in Auckland, November 26th to December 4th. Tickets have gone on sale. And I've just been on the website, very affordable, and it is a fantastic day out. Hold a lot of different types of packages. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, Mark, was the mind games in softball, the, the getting inside the pitches and the catchers' heads. And I don't want to fe- make you feel uncomfortable, but I really enjoy you standing on the third baseline when the other team are out there and the little looks and the little glances. Um, it's next level. I, I just love watching the mind games. Yeah, it's... Um... I love it too, mate. <laughs> but I haven't been able to do it for a while. Yeah, it, um, it, it well, it came for me from being a catcher when I played, you know, and you're behind the batter and, you know, you're, you're offering a little bit of advice about uh, their swing or how they how they made a catch or dropped a catch in the field or um, just life in general, you know. Um, to quality, you know, it's, it's positive reinforcement about the ball that they dropped. Um, and for me, on standing on third base with, with the pitcher, my job is to exactly that, get inside the pitcher's head. And it's pretty well known in softball circles that um, that I, I, I spend a lot of time studying the pitchers and picking up their grips. And, and the idea for that is if I can pick up their grips and we know what pitch is coming, I can relay it to our hitters. And if they then don't have to determine whether it's a rise ball, drop ball or change up. They just have to work out if it's a strike. You raise the percentages of success, you know, your chances of succeeding. So even sometimes when it's like a game of, of poker, mate, it's even when you don't, I don't have anything 
on the pitches, I try and make out that I do. Because a lot of the guys on the mountain there, they get into a state, they get into such a state where they're more worried about me picking their grips on third, they forget about the hitter. So, you know, if I can distract them um, in some way, shape or form and it helps one of my guys when they're at the plate, then, you know, uh, my job's done. Mm. Well, well, exciting times ahead, Mark. Uh, softball's such a, a fantastic part of the sporting history and framework in, in New Zealand and I'm sure there'll be a lot of local support and I do urge people to get out there personally and just, even if it's just for a day, even if it's just for a game and then you become hooked with the, the atmosphere and we've got the best of the best there, got the best of the best coaching us as well. So, uh, Mark Sorensen, we wish you well and I have no doubt we'll be in touch with you before, during and after a, a wonderful World Cup. We wish you all the best. Thanks, Steph. Appreciate it. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland, this is the GWE Top of TV character, Jamboree. And at the half hour, it's either a new bracket or a result, and uh, we're going to the hot box for the results of the second group of matchups. That's right, Staff. Two matchups on the cards as we head up into 3 o'clock, and tomorrow we're going to have two more before we find ourselves in Elite Eight. And that's when things really get spicy. And I'm talking 50, 50s, 49, 51s. You know, that's the sort of split we'll be looking at. Oh, have we got uh, a close matchup from this one? Well, we'll see, shall we? Have we got our roving reporter? We do have our ro- roving reporter on the sidelines. Captain K. Basil Faulty, number three, versus Daisy Duke, number 30 in the Eastern Conference. It was a sellout in North Carolina. What do you got, Kez? Look, I'll, I'll tell you what, to kick it off. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> against Daisy. Uh, we, we asked uh, the population to jump in on the text as the Instagram was the dominant force. I can tell you that has worked and Basil Faulty has one with 73%. Oh, oh wow. Jeez. 73%. That's a lion's share if you've ever heard of one staff and um, Basil will be happy about that result. Puts him in good stead. Oh my goodness. Heading into the quarters. Manuel! What was that? Manuel? You know, I just wanted you to do it again. Oh. It's not as good as your... Um, Frank Spencer. <laughs> um, and then Al Bundy, the number four seed in the East, uh, the Western Conference, going up against Halter White. I've definitely got one I want to win this. From Breaking Bad fame, Captain K. Look, boys, uh, uh, not a similar result at all on this one. I can see why uh, the presenters and the broadcasters everywhere have put this game last for tonight uh, mm, yep. it, it, the show is not The Wire but it did come down to The Wire in uh, this result boys I'm actually nervous to say it I've I've just had to look down and double check my math here just bearing so in are mind we just, are we checking in live from the venue is that this is this just is wrapped just up you getting live Guys, images I, uh, look I'll tell you what they're still on uh, TMO The Bunker VAR whatever you would like uh, deciding uh, whether the shot from El Bundy counts and oh sorry hold on Hang on. Yes. Yes, this is him. Okay. Thank you very much. Boys, I can announce. Ella's is one with 51% no! of the votes. 51% wow. of the votes. That is a buzzer beater, Steph. Oh. Al Bundy. He's hit it at the buzzer. There were question marks. Had it gone off. I thought one Jordan esque. I thought one of the top seeds was going to go today, but they have all survived. Oh. Oh, fallible though. Jeez, we've seen some chinks in these big teams' armours. Bundy has done a Bundy and got away with murder there. 
<laughs> that's that's you probably what, bad, Dan. I tell you what, Walter, Walter White, uh, keep your doors closed to your hotel, El Bundy team, oh, because yeah. it ain't over, Walter White. Oh, they'll be fuming after it. It sounds like a very controversial call. Obviously, we wouldn't have a game up live here, Staff, but uh, controversy is never too far away from the Gwe Topper TV character jamboree. <laughs> We, can, we do it again tomorrow. We do it again tomorrow. I cannot wait. What we do every day is we screen your call. Well, we don't screen your calls. We listen intently to your calls because Able Living are giving a prize away for caller of the month. If you want to be SENZ's caller of the month, you just call and have a Monty. If you're selected out at the end of the month, you will win a Master Build Gravity Series 560. That's 560. Digital charcoal grill and smoker. What can't you do in it? Nothing. You can do everything in it. Feed it up. Sam, you're desperate to call one of the shows and just be a caller and just have a Monty call because that's got your name written all over it. Yeah, and I'm trying to think because what accent do I put on, Steph? That's probably the big That's probably the big Hugh Bladen, the South African one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think the All Blacks are not really ready for the World Cup next year. I don't think they can do it. I think the Boca is going to be there and they'll win it just now. Oh, Ruan. Is it? <laughs> yeah. They'll win it just now, okay? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Be I'll have to be a bit more articulate than that. I mean, our, our listeners are very articulate, Steph, so I I'll, have to, I'll be challenging. Mm. Uh, it will be challenging, sorry, to uh, to topple them. Can I just run through a few texts? I've, I've been remiss of not keeping I'd up. I'd love it if you did. Uh, Rory sent one through. I can't wait. I went to the doctor recently complaining of hearing problems. He asked, please describe the symptoms. And I said, well, Homer is a big fat bull guy. <laughs> and Marge has blue hair. <laughs> oh, that's good. Not his best, but it, it'll do. It'll, it'll do. do. Uh, Stephy, your one month biggest loser competition could be for the listeners too. Date stamped photo of scale sent in before and after. Hopefully no one would cheat. I could do with losing a few kegs, so I'm in. Cheers, Craig. The Bay. Yeah, difficult difficult with the listeners. But yeah. uh, Any idea why Triple T has missed selection anywhere, Staff? It seems unfortunate how much he has dropped the ranks since his All Black selection. I'm with you. I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether he's heading offshore. I just don't know. He, he's a fantastic player. I do enjoy him. Uh, the Black Ferns are live on TV3 on Saturday. Um, I don't think they're live until, oh, it's quarter. Quarter semi. Yes, they might be. Sorry, I'm not 100% sure. Is it the semis in final live or the quarter semi in final live? Definitely delayed anyway. Um, Daisy Duke is now 68, Staffy. Just keep the memory of the 80s image. <laughs> Had a few people send in uh, the Wikipedia page of Catherine Bark. Uh, just read about Catherine Bark and Barbara Bark. They're not related. Catherine was born Barkman, whereas Barbara was bought Goldbark. Interesting for two minutes. Time to move on. <laughs> Very disappointing Highlanders squad. The squad might make the NPC quarterfinals, and that's coming from a Landers fan. Brad, I, fe- I hear your pain. I understand your pain. Um, someone else says, I don't recommend it, but I lost 15 kilos in six weeks once. Stress after having my femur smashed in a motorbike versus car accident. I was on the motorbike. Ouch. Ouch. Thanks for ha- having Mark Sorensen on. Mini International Young starts in Palmy in a couple of weeks. Nice Kia ora, staff. I've recently 
Oh, do I need to vet this one? I've recently seen the Blue Squad. Hardly any Tanifar players and another kick in the guts. Not one Super Rugby game in Whangarei next year. Blues promised more games up here before COVID hit. They missed the boat with getting games up here early Super Rugby season and the weather's been very good in February, March, April. They are isolating Blues fans up here in the north. I think Northland should link up with the Highlanders and with some of the Tanifar players who missed out on the Blue Squad to get the opportunity to play Super Rugby. That's from Shannon. They should go up to Whangarei. They should go up to Whangarei. When Brutus was a catcher, those mind games to the batter were even better, apparently. They were fantastic. Mark Sorensen, great softball man. Right, if you want to play the chase, we'll do that now. 0800 150 811. Give us a yell. It's chase time. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Chase time. Sammy, who has Captain K selected? Uh, he's dipped deep into the uh, the vault of the phone box here to pull up. John from Napier. G'day, John. G'day, guys. How you going? Very well, John. How's your sporting knowledge, my friend? Yeah, it's pretty good, eh? Hey? That a boy. Oh, that a boy. boy. I don't mind it. John, set A or set B on the questions? Uh, G'day, please. There we go. Do like it. I do like it, Mark Stafford. We're going to put John in the box seat. John, you've got one minute to answer as many sporting questions as you can. I'm Bradley Walsh, and for you, the chase is about to begin. So 60 seconds, we put the timer on, and it will start in three, two, one. Which rugby captain was the most recent to win the Rugby World Cup? Um, that would be pass. Which Kiwi scored four tries against Jamaica in the Rugby League World Cup? Uh, what, Tini Zalazniak. Yep. Which Melbourne team is currently leading the A-League with three wins from three games? Victory. Uh, Melbourne City. Who do New Zealand play in the second game of the T20 World Cup tonight? Uh, Afghanistan. Correct. At which Grand Prix did Red Bull wrap up the Formula 1 Constructors' Championship on the weekend? Uh, USA. Correct. Israel Adesanya will defend what title this weekend at USC 281? Uh, super middleweight. Middleweight. Who will the Black Ferns play in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals this weekend? Wales. Correct. Which Parramatta Eels player is captaining Samoa at this year's Rugby League World Cup? Uh, which, uh, Moses. Junior Paulo. Which women's team is currently number one on the FIFA World Rankings? Uh, USA. Correct. Who top scored? Oh. You got five. You got five. Uh, you said super middleweight. It's just middleweight, isn't it, Steph? Can I get a clarification on that? Yeah. Just, just straight middleweight. So you, you had you had half of it right. So you got five, John, which is okay. Yep. A couple of pushbacks and you might be okay. You chase it for today because our budget doesn't allow it. We can't get anyone else. It's Mark Stafford. <laughs> it's the Staffinator, Mark. Five to catch. You're feeling confident? Yeah, like seven are the nerve. Uh, sorry, six the nerves start. Seven worry. Mm-hmm. Eight I start packing myself. Okay. So he's feeling pretty confident, John. But one pushback, I start to get nervous. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, uh, 60 seconds. Mm. Steph, your time will start in three, two, one. Which team was the last to win back-to-back NPC titles? Tasman. Correct. Name one team that is involved in Australia's pool at the Rugby League World Cup. Mm, Fiji. Correct. Which men's team is currently number one on the FIFA World Rankings? Brazil. Correct. And what year did Gary Stead take over as Black Caps coach? 2017. Stop the clock. And what year did Gary Stead take over as Black Caps coach, John? Uh, 
18. Well done. So you were on uh, three, Steph. You're now back to two. Your time will start again in three, two, one. Matt Jones is a quarterback for which NFL team? Patriots. Correct. Who is currently the highest ranked men's Irish men's golfer? Shane Lowry. Correct. Which major is next on the tennis calendar? Aussie Open. That is correct. And unfortunately for John, he's just too good. He's just too fast. John, the chase for you is over, my friend. Thank you, John. All good. Yeah, cheers, guys. Good on you, buddy. John, out of Napier. Geez, someone's got to beat you, Steph. Manawatu beat Hawks Bay again. Hey? <laughs> Manawatu just beat Hawks Bay. Just oh, true. Yes, there you go. Well, um, it's the only thing we win. The thing is, we, what we really need is a Steph-type contestant, someone who is on your level, because you just ripped through those. The last Quick three. smart. Yeah. Well, you ripped through most of them pretty quickly. I freely admit I guessed Brazil. I didn't have a clue. Yeah, but there was a it was an educated guess, I'd say. Wow, I just know they're good at football. There you go. But it could have been it could have been Belgium, it could have been Spain, could have been France, I just went Brazil. Actually expecting to get it wrong. How many of his would have you got? I didn't ask you that. Uh, what were they again? Uh who who was the captain to win most recently win the Rugby World Cup? You would have got that. Sia Khaleesi. Yep. Oh, I didn't actually tell him that, so that Sia Khaleesi is correct. Uh four tries against Jamaica. Yeah, Dallin. Melbourne team, you probably wouldn't have got that. Melbourne team. That is leading the A League at the moment. Yeah, I wouldn't have had a clue. Uh, you would have got Afghanistan. Yep. Would have you got US Grand Prix? Yeah. Red Bull over the weekend. You would have got it. middleweight. You would have got uh, Wales. And would have you got Parramatta player, captaining Samoa? No, I would have said the same as him. Mitch Ca- Moses. Oh, he's, he's Lebanon. And oh. uh, which women's team is currently number one? You probably would have got that. USA, yeah. Because yeah. we had Casey in here. Yeah. What about who top scored for the Black Caps in their opening match of the T20 World Cup against Australia? Well, I know Fennellan got 40, but that wasn't him. It was someone else. I would have thought about that and freaked out and said Fennellan oh, incorrect. Yeah. Devin Conway. Devin, of course it was. 92. Yeah. 92. I watched it too. Another week, another chase in the book, Steph, and I'm just waiting for someone to beat you. I just want someone to beat you. I might have to start offering up like really, really big prizes like an Audi Quattro, Teptronic. 2018. Worth over 100 grand. Yeah, there's one in the car park. Is there? Yeah. Who does back. that belong to? I don't know. I don't know. God, you'd have to be a former star to be owning that sort of thing, wouldn't you? Oh, if you of a dro- certain code? If you drove one of those, you could drive it straight. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, bring it on, Rory. Bring it, bring on. it on. Bring it on, Rory. All right, um, we're going to have a break. Uh, we're going to have a good long look at uh, Today in History. After the break, don't forget, running it straight with uh, Sammy Hewitt. He drives a two-yardy Yaris. And Tony Kemp, that drives an Audi Quattro. They will be your hosts for running it straight three till four. Back in a moment. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, the final smile of the day. He comes from Rory. He's, he's just told us that he built a car. He once built a car made entirely of fallen leaves. It was an automatic you guys asked for it. Kilda Rory, enjoy your company. Uh, back in the day, October 26th, 1970, Muhammad Ali, three and a half years out of the game for failing to enlist in the army. He came back on six weeks preparation and got a third round TKO over Jerry Quarry in Atlanta. In 1984, on this day, Michael Jordan played his first NBA game for the Bulls. Uh, 109.93, a win against the Washington Bullets. Dennis Watley quickly in front court to Jordan, looking for penetration, spin move, hangs in the air, off the glass, it is. That is his first basket in the NBA. He went on to score 16 points. In 1997, 
The Florida Marlins became the first wildcard team to win the World Series, defeating the Cleveland Indians 3-2 in extra innings. Marlins only started their franchise in 1993, and they won again in 2003 as a wildcard as well. Birthdays today, Mark Foster, former Silver Fern and coach. Her birthday today, happy birthday, Mark. Clever Rudds, happy Rudds, big guy. Ken Rutherford, birthday today, 57. Austin Healy, English winger, sometimes halfback too, 49 today. Kieran Reid, the great New Zealand former All Black, happy birthday, champ. All Blacks desperate for quick ball, they get a two, now weapon. Charging onto this goes Reid, Kieran Reid. Born in 1967 out of Whangarei, yeah, Keith Urban. Happy birthday, Keith. Uh, if you're born on this day in 1987, a iconic movie called Fatal Attraction, that was the number one movie, and the number one song... Yes, the great Michael Jackson. Wacko Jacko. Good to have your company today. Great shift on the tools, Captain K. And he's dancing to MJ. Sammy Hewitt, stop producing, start co-hosting, running it straight with Kempi and Sammy. Next hour, don't miss it. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.